Stevie. I'm Emily. Welcome back to the Sex Files. Yep. <laughs> We're trying to do a formal intro so that people know um, what they're listening to. And I don't know how you stumble upon this by accident. It's but pretty niche, but also who we are, because I feel like it's easy to get our voices mixed up if you don't know her. Yeah. That's how you know it's me, because it's a bad Australian accent. <laughs> Emily's Australian accent's good. That's, you know how like in the beginning of movies, how they say the opinions expressed by people in this, in interviews or whatever, are the opinions <laughs> of those individuals? Yes. Is that that applies for what you just said? Oh my god, no! Do you remember when you first did your Australian accent on here? People lost their minds. No, in our inboxes. I pretty much block out everything that ever happens to me. <laughs> oh good. <laughs> well, people liked it. <laughs> I wish I could tell you what episode to go back to to listen, but I don't remember what it was. But people were fans. That's good of your Australian accent. Anyways, how are you doing? Me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> No, um, <laughs> the cow in the I corner. just thought you meant like the people, you know. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing Marvy. Mar- Nito. Um, We've been watching the Lucy show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we watched I Love Lucy and now we're moving on to the Lucy show. And eventually we'll be in, we'll be watching Here's Lucy and then you know the finish Lucio up with Ball life with Lucy universe <laughs> <laughs> kind of iconic that she just said I'm just gonna make a different version of the same show over and over again and I everyone mean, watched it exactly and it honestly just got better like when there were less men in it mm-hmm. I think we're discovering yeah the less men the better is is always my motto so I'm doing okay yeah I'm doing okay how are you doing I'm doing okay. You know, I feel like this is a good timing. I feel like this is a good time to do this episode because I really feel fucked by the planets right now. So Mm. I feel like this is all very timely. In in what way? I just feel fucked and I'm blaming it on the planets. (laughs) Who knows if it's actually true? Why do you feel fucked? I'm just having a hard time. Mentally, physically, spiritually. Yeah. Emotionally. (laughs) Emotionally. Yeah. (laughs) It is a weird time, and I think that um, everyone is, like, sick of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, I got COVID, you guys. (laughs) Yeah. I'm good. I'm all vaxxed, so my symptoms were mild, but I had it. (laughs) I got... She got it worse, not even COVID. No, oh, I wasn't even going to, oh, oh sorry, my god, I wasn't even going to say it. I oh, got okay. so ill, I thought I was, yeah, thought bad things were going to happen to me. No, I didn't, but, like, it <laughs> felt like it. I mean, felt yeah, like it. a bad thing was happening to you. Um, <laughs> you were ill. <laughs> purging. Yeah. Of, like, more than illness. <laughs> probably. That's what it felt like. It probably was. Um, I feel like when you get sick, a lot of it has to do with your emotions as well. It definitely plays a part on your physical health. Yeah. What were you going to say, though? Sorry. Oh, I was going to say that I have been tripled, triple, triple vaxxed up mm-hmm. by Daddy Pfizer. Hell yeah. I got boosted. Daddy Pfizer in for response the win. to you getting COVID. I mean, that's a good response, I think. I was going to get boosted that week. I know. But alas, now I have to wait. 
Okay, so it might be the planets. Yeah, I just, yeah, I feel very sick of the pandemic. I feel like I'm going through. Okay, you know what? Let me be honest. Yeah, be honest. I'm going to be honest. I feel like. This is a safe space. I know, but I feel like right now. So right now, I feel like I have just, I feel like just burnt out. Mm. And it's really weird because I. Like, we just got back from being home for the holidays recently. And, like, that was a very... Well, I mean, I guess it was stressful internally Mm -hmm. for me. Not necessarily, like, outwardly, but internally. Mm -hmm. So that, I guess, wears you out. But, like, I don't know. I should be refreshing. Yeah, I should be, like, very refreshed, very, like, excited to do things. But for some reason, I am, like trying to get out of all of my obligations (laughs) and just want to like sit in bed and read or like watch Lucille Ball do anything but you know what I feel like that's really natural this time of year like I agree like in the winter you like you're you're meant to be more inward and quiet and stay at home but capitalism doesn't allow that so we work ourselves to death and this time of year I think you feel it the most yeah so i think that's completely natural that you feel that way and i think too um the weather doesn't help because even though it's sunny out i'm just like it's so cold and i I just i just wanna yeah i don't know i've realized this being my first winter that like 30s and up great I love it. You can bundle. You can get like a cute little coat and it might snow. It's like exciting. Anything below 30, I'm tapping out. Below 25, absolutely not. Because 30 is like you can comfortably go in and out of buildings. Mm -hmm. You can go out of buildings without like freezing. Yeah. And then you can come inside buildings without overheating. So, but then anything below that, it's like there's no sweet spot. No. There's none. It, like, hurts your skin. Yeah. It's so wild to me. Yeah. It's, like, crazy. Because I've only experienced that with heat. Because in, mm. in the desert, in the summertime, when you go outside, it feels like somebody's blowing a blow dryer, like, directly in your face at all times. And here it's like that, but with, like, a freeze ray. <laughs> yeah. I'm, j- I'm rereading um, Slouching Towards Bethlehem, which you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, reading it for the first time, and Emily's already surpassed me. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't matter. Um, And there was a chapter where she was, I can't remember where she was, but she was somewhere and it was 119 degrees and her air conditioning, she couldn't figure out how to work her air conditioner. And so she was like relieved by putting like just ice on her back and her lower back. And I was like, I feel like you would like die if you were existing in 119 degrees without any air conditioning. Oh yeah, it's a real issue. It's like when it's like one sentence. It's like done. <laughs> and she's like, Yeah, it sucked. You're like, How did you live? Because she's Joan Didion. Hell yeah. R.I.P. Oh. Legend. Yeah. I mean it's true, like in the desert when during the summer seasons, it's like a real issue for not only the homeless, obviously, but like if your AC goes out, mm-hmm. like it's dangerous. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Anyways. I mean but I guess here, like if your heat goes out dangerous right mm-hmm. just the extremes yeah i i like temperate weather <laughs> yeah but i guess this compared to other winters could be considered temperate 
Oh, absolutely. Which is absolutely insane to me. Yeah. Like, I cannot fathom anything in the negatives. Sorry, I know people in... I know people not in the United States don't really understand the terminology we're using in terms of Fahrenheit degrees. Oh, yeah. I don't know that. I don't know the conversion. I guess. uh, Right. So negatives in Fahrenheit would be like negative 20. More, I think. Okay, negative 40. I'm going to look up what. All I know is that in Celsius, (laughs) 40 degrees is like hot. Yeah, which is bizarre to me. Okay, I'm looking up zero degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, so zero degrees Fahrenheit Mm -hmm. is negative 17 Celsius. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Now we know. (laughs) I, like, fought for my life through every science class I've ever had to take, so. Oh, me fucking too. The one D I've gotten in my life was in biology. I just couldn't get it. (laughs) The one D I got in my life was in fucking religion. (laughs) I think that's fair. I feel like that was maybe a rebellious D. Well, the funny thing is, is that my teacher was literally a lesbian and it was like Bible study. Yeah. Like open? Like, oh, she out? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, she didn't like. Are you talking about in college? No, in high high school. In your Catholic high school, you had a lesbian religion teacher who was out as a lesbian? Yeah. Why have you? I didn't know this. Yeah. They were okay with that? apparently yes it was like the oh my god it was the worst class ever and i actually failed it but she liked me whatever okay and (laughs) so she gave me a d so i didn't have to like i don't know what would have happened but i probably would have had to retake it that's wild everyone send us what the worst grade you ever gotten what you ever got was and what class it was for yeah or like it could be like a paper like a (laughs) specific assignment Listen, here's here's the moral of this story mm-hmm. is that one of my really good friends in high school had a 32 average in Spanish at some you point. Me this. Right. And years later when she was out after college, she moved to I can't remember where she moved to um a Spanish speaking country. I think in South America and became fluent in Spanish and now teaches Spanish at like the middle school version of the high school that we both went to. That's so insane. So the moral is implied. Yeah. I don't have to spell it out, but you got it. You guys are smart. What I wanted to say before we get into this episode mm-hmm. because i think that you are correct and it fits well with just planet feelings mm-hmm. right now is that something you said earlier which is i agree that like right now should be a time of rest mm-hmm. and ironically this actually fits into our, fir- our the first topic we're going to talk about oh yeah um and like just regeneration and like not isolation but like you know um like introspection like self introspection i guess that is okay whatever you know (laughs) what i mean and i think that i feel burnt out because i'm not allowing myself to prioritize rest in a culture that demands like 24 7 availability and like Mm -hmm. 24 7 um like activity yeah and so 
that could be some that could be a good boundary that I just need to set for myself which is just that like, like I need to prioritize yourself. rest yeah mm-hmm. and that like you know asking myself the question like is my life quote-unquote boring or am I simply like getting used to the idea of um of like enjoying my own company and like right. prioritizing rest and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And like becoming comfortable with living with simplicity, which despite the city that I live in might come as a shock, but like, <laughs> you know, I like a simple life. Yeah. And I think that you have to just kind of like come to accept that because that's so the antithesis of like what this world demands. Blech. No, it's true though. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's what. I celebrated winter solstice growing up with my grandma every year and that's like a, a kind of the moral of what winter solstice is about is yeah. that it's the longest night of the year it's like a night of like rebirth like it's like within the earth I don't remember the metaphor that she yeah, used to yeah, say yeah. when she talked about it but um and there's like lots of uh like symbolism around like a womb and like it being dark and cold and like that needing that kind of rest and rejuvenation so a new year can be reborn and like a new you and so it's like this time of year it makes it's kind of crucial to be taking extra care of yourself and in if you don't feel up to being social or out there like listen to that yeah that goes well into our first question do you want to go into that let's do it do you want to read it you're welcome for that transition yeah good job um yeah i can read it Okay, so the first question is, um, do you have any thoughts on the idea of being a good person? (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, Sounds weird, but sometimes I find it difficult to be at peace with myself after being honest slash setting a boundary. I often agonize over whether what I did was hurtful, even though it was necessary and I did it the best way I knew how. I think I spent so much time when I was little trying to be good and nice all the time that now my judgment is completely skewed. Can I I still be a good person even if the way I handle things isn't always great? Can I still be a good person if I speak my mind around people that might be hurt by what I say or does it not even matter at all? Thank you so much for all you two do on the pod. You're both angels. You're an angel. Um, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. I think, like, as a foundation, like, anything that disrupts, like, things going at an equilibrium is going to make you feel like you're a bad person or, like, you did something wrong. Mm-hmm. So I think that, like, whether that's, like, um, whether that's, like, just going along with like a cycle of abuse so that so as to not disturb that equilibrium Mm -hmm. and not setting boundaries or not you know doing yeah not setting boundaries or like you know um tolerating a political discussion that is harmful Mm -hmm. so as not to disturb that equilibrium um and not speaking your mind um i think like it all falls into that And I think that, that, I mean, like, I, I always say that 
despite the fact that you might not be the most popular person in any given space for doing those things, for setting boundaries, for speaking your mind, um, all that matters is that you um, can, like, live with yourself. Yeah. And so if, like, speaking your mind and setting boundaries is what you need, then, like, that is what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's hard because setting boundaries creates such a dissonance in their effect Mm -hmm. right like it it disrupts yeah like but not even that like in personally Mm -hmm. like we set boundaries and then like we feel bad yeah so i think that it's like just getting over that hump that setting boundaries is a bad thing that we set boundaries because um like to hurt people all of those like contradicting things and feelings that come up when we do like is just simply something that like they're the only logic in them will be um the people who respond positively to the boundaries that you set are Mm -hmm. the people that you want in your life and the people who do not are not people you want in your life exactly how people react to you setting boundaries is really revealing yeah and the thing about boundaries is that you control them for you control your own right and so you can absolutely and that's it yeah like you're not responsible and you can't control the response to them right and you can set a boundary and be like oh actually now that i'm a little calmer and have thought more rationally i don't know if that was necessarily a fair boundary for me to set and you can go back on it and you can adjust it and amend it and like what really resonated me about this like question was can you still be a good person even if you don't always handle things great like yes absolutely everybody has trauma everybody has issues everybody has reasons for reacting the way that they do like if you're not handling something great think about the reason why you're reacting the way that you are it's probably completely normal and your body doesn't know any other way to react what's important is how you acknowledge that and own up to it and find the tools to heal that so that you can react better in the future but like you're never going to have a perfect record on reacting and handling situations yeah that's well said and i think that too like um i think that like as a disclaimer like there might be damage done and like you might harm people in figuring this stuff out Mm -hmm. right like i don't think that there is no harm done in like figuring this stuff out Mm -mm. that doesn't mean that you're a bad person it just means that the requirement of like accountability is going to be like is going to be more present and Mm -hmm. it's going to be higher yeah and um I think for me too like it was it's been like the opposite where because I so badly wanted to be a good person and wanted to be a good friend I hesitated to set boundaries because I didn't think that I could because I thought that they would make me a bad friend Mm -hmm. and I felt like they would setting those boundaries would make me a direct um like perpetrator of the harm that I saw in front of me Mm -hmm. and but like in the but but at the same time like when I was 
not in front of that conflict, like when I was not in front of the, the harm that I thought that I was doing, I was like so completely broken, like was not prioritizing myself and like was not putting what I needed to be literally sane first. Mm-hmm. And I think that because we just grow up in um, a society where like and in a culture where empathy is like prioritized i know that's like it's a whole fucking joke now like but like we we genuinely do and that like we are it's easier to see the harm that we're doing to somebody else than the harm that we're doing to ourselves and i think that we um for whatever reason want to if we can assign that it's almost easier than to like address it because we want to end somebody else's suffering but it's like it's almost secondary to see our own Mm -hmm. and so I think that like you said it does go back to like all you can do is like control your own actions Mm -hmm. and all you can do is control what boundaries you put forward and then people's responses to them um like I I really struggle with this when they are you know more difficult conversations and they're more difficult boundaries to set but um I think that like trying to get over that feeling of guilt after a boundary is set um just comes with like setting more boundaries yeah and and like eventually when you set boundaries with people that actually respect them totally like when you set a boundary with somebody and they're like oh thank you for telling me that that is like a revolutionary experience yeah and not even like respect them but like and then um, uphold them yeah uphold them and like also um like don't make you feel bad about them yeah because i don't know that those i i think that those two things like uh, those two things aren't the same right like and so i think that when um yeah yeah like when you have a good response to with with anything I think like when you have a good response to the setting of boundaries then I think that the resounding feelings that you experience just get get easier and they kind of fade over time and also like I kind of hate how um similar with trauma similar with like the word triggered like it's just like all been I hate even like having conversations about boundaries now and like using that word because like it's just been so co-opted by this like faux woke movement of like self-care and I don't know anyone anything but everyone (laughs) owes me everything I want like yeah exactly it it, it delves into it's like oh my god I'm so annoyed right now I'm gonna set a boundary and like and they're completely out of line and completely and like the boundary is like i'm not going to communicate i'm not going to talk to anyone yeah i'm just gonna my wallow boundary... sorry my boundary is that like i'm I don't never talk about gonna tell you what you've done to hurt me yeah my boundary is that i'm just gonna sulk and i'm gonna make you feel really bad and not talk to you at all because that's my right yeah because <laughs> i don't know you anything because <laughs> actually i don't know if you know this but i don't know you anything i don't know you anything it's like okay let's simmer so there's extremes to everything so the fact that like you listener are thinking critically about like oh my god does this make me a bad person it already is proof that you're not exactly because if you were you would be like oh my god i'm so warranted in this because that just shows that you care about the people that you're interacting with exactly the fact that you're having these feelings at all just means that you care which means that you are 
good yes exactly and i think too like the 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 phrase that i try to like remember is that um empathy without boundaries is self-destruction and Mm -hmm. empathy with boundaries is compassion yeah um yeah like you are are the listeners on this end like you're already falling into the latter half of that Mm -hmm. state the latter part of that statement so yeah just you and know. it's so much easier to like conjecture about this stuff and oh way God. harder to put into practice so be 100 really, be really gentle with yourself and like you're existing in a society that doesn't prioritize doing things for yourself that are actually going to be for your benefit so of course it's going to go against it's going to feel really wrong yeah at first. that's what and i like, mean it's like the the contradiction that is like innate mm-hmm. in that inherent in that is like really hard to get over and and i think it's even a journey just figuring out what boundaries you need to set like figuring out what you're actually needing is a whole journey within itself especially because they can be so little yeah like it can just be like you're like constantly in somebody else's presence and i think it gets even worse when you are closer with that person or like if they're your family Mm -hmm. or something like that because it's like i think that it goes back to this whole like thing of like um like the giving of oneself like we and Joan Didion talks about this a lot in Slouching Towards Bethlehem there's a whole chapter of just like um how we prioritize empathy and how that lends itself to just like the complete like separation of one's autonomy and like oneself and or in the name of like other people Mm -hmm. um And so, I don't know where I was going with that, but that's the point, period. Yeah. Oh, small things. Is that you can, like, the small things will make a big difference. And I think that the small things in the boundaries that you're setting and in just the practice of setting those boundaries Mm -hmm. helps. Yeah. So, like, if it's someone you're around all the time, just simply being, like, I love you but I'm gonna have like breakfast by myself or Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go on a walk and then like maybe later we can watch an episode of something together like we can go out whatever um and and the act of communicating that to the person that you're setting that boundary with like being like I love you but this is what I'm needing like that act of reassurance can be like world turning for the setting of that boundary and how with like with the ease that it goes yeah but at the same time, I think, too, like, I follow this um, therapist on TikTok. I think her name is Lori Wheeler. Yeah, Lori Wheeler. And she talks a lot about how, like, when you are setting boundaries, like, you don't need an explanation. And that, like, if someone asks you if you want to do something or if, if something is possible, you can just say no and that when you start to over explain yourself it lends itself to you thinking that you need permission from this person to Mm -hmm. insert whatever yeah which you do not and something really like revolutionary for me in terms of like learning to set boundaries has been um like instead of being like wow i'm feeling really uncomfortable like who can i make change around me 
like think about what boundaries you can actually set within yourself that you can uphold for yourself and practice that kind of self-care by like holding to your own promises that you make truly for yourself is really important and really hard and I think good work to start with because then I mean if like you're really scared to set boundaries start doing that stuff with yourself like look at what behaviors you perpetuate within like looking at the behavior that you enact that causes yourself like the self-harming behaviors that we all have that we like do that are not good for ourselves like sit down and analyze in what you can change that doesn't require anybody that just that just you can do and it makes it less scary because you don't have to wait for anybody to react it's just within yourself and i think too like the whole thing of being a good person is like um is like if you do fuck up then it's just like the good people are gonna fuck up what makes you a good person after that is being able to take accountability and apologize Mm -hmm. like that's it yeah and so um or or like just acknowledge that you messed up and acknowledge like that you're gonna be better going forward and like acknowledge that the person that you hurt might be hurt and Mm -hmm. and that you respect like that they might need time to heal and and whatever that yeah whatever form that takes that that's okay um because I think that like I think that things are talked about too much I think that like everything is expected to be communicated perfectly and I think that like everyone is just trying to figure it out and all you can do is like just go forward with like someone's like with just the best of intentions and never forgetting about you know number one yourself Mm -hmm. and like i think this isn't what the listener was asking but i think it's important to note that like if somebody needs to set a boundary with you you're not a bad person either like yeah because you obviously you can't know what somebody's boundaries are until they communicate them and so when they do with you that's really a gift for you because it means that that person values the relationship with you otherwise they would just remove themselves so if they're setting a boundary with you that's really um proof that you are like worth that worth somebody still wanting you in their life and it means that they care and so it's all in how you react to that after and like the like we've been saying the accountability that you can take yep but thank you for sending that in um we know this that was pretty late so i'm sure you've already been grappling with a lot of what we talked about already so i hope that wasn't too redundant for whatever self-work you've been doing and you got something out of it let's get into the episode hey hi how's it going if you haven't heard about anchor it's the easiest way to make a podcast you ready let me explain it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Did you know? <gasps> no, I didn't. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you. It's literally the best. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. So many more. It's a lifesaver. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum <gasps> listenership. Can you, ima- can you believe that we sit here and we talk about aliens and shit and we can get paid for it and we're getting money for talking about scully and her hair from anchor from anchor so it's truly everything you need to make a podcast all in one place so ready listen up download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started and it's anchor.fm that's a-n-c-h-o-r.fm to get started 
It's literally the best. It makes making a podcast so easy because I'm the least tech-savvy person maybe in the world, and it makes it so simple. Overall, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. We love Anchor. Just like Scully. Even Mulder could figure this out. Mulder could make a podcast with Anchor. Absolutely. And that's saying a lot. Wouldn't Mulder, like, in the revival totally have, like, a conspiracy podcast that he records, like, on the weekends by himself? That's why Scully left him. (laughs) Scully left him because Mulder made a podcast with Anchor. So you too, get Anchor. Uh, One more time. Anchor.fm. A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. To get started. Thanks. Oh, right. Oh, that's me. The X-Files writing staff was on their game midway through season three for some reason because um, last week we did war of the coprophages and now we're on syzygy mm-hmm. a banger season three episode i have no concept of that 14 i only know what lucy shops <laughs> <ever on. laughs> i have no idea mid season three um i think it's 13 um okay so we open an outdoor funeral and pimply Ryan Reynolds. Do you know that that was him? Yes. Well, I tweeted a long time ago. I was like, remember when Ryan Reynolds died within the first three minutes of an X-Files episode? Oh, my God. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, his name is Boom. And he's... He's so young. I hope not his real name. <laughs> Although white people name their children silliest things. So who knows? I saw a tweet today that was like, CVS Pharmacy is a beautiful name for a girl. (laughs) I genuinely am, like, convinced that that actually, that whole bit goes back to um, Seinfeld. Yeah. Because there's a whole episode or, like, a whole thing that I can't remember who it is. Either, maybe it's both of them. Kramer or George like I think no okay George like wants to name his kid seven and is like (laughs) set on it and then like his his friends are having a baby and like somehow they steal his name and like they name their kid seven and like as this woman is like giving birth he's like trying to convince them to like pick another number that's so funny um and then kramer does the same thing he has like this really bizarre name that he wants to name his child and i can't remember what it is but that's so funny yeah okay so he's ryan reynolds is giving a tribute to his quote-unquote brother it seems really emotional talking about yeah like the undoubtedly homoerotic good times yeah um they had that he'll quote-unquote never forget right um and it was like at this moment it's like unfortunately toxic masculinity has kind of created like two cultural realities for men Mm -hmm. it's like either they are like friendships are like drenched in homoeroticism like double meaning for everything or they're bound together by sexual assault allegations. It's like there's no yeah. in between, Jesus unfortunately. Um, so his brother, not really. His brother, like in like, bro. Yeah. Yeah. His his bro, Bruno. Mm-hmm. He died. Um, they think that it's from like an apparent. It's a an apparent cult. Yeah. Murder. And 
the cult preys on young white teenagers, but it's all good because like Bruno is kicking major butt in heaven. What a line. So the cult is going to come after a blonde virgin next. So these two girls try to protect themselves by like convincing Boom to have sex with them. It's like where it's going. Mm-hmm. So after that, like, w- but what's their plan? Do they want a threesome? Like, what's the plan for all of them? Yeah, that was a yeah. Like that's the whole a good episode, question. these girls are going after guys together, and I'm like, what's your game plan? Like, I have a feeling that, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you two can just be together. You don't need to. Well, I think it's so funny because I feel like it was a case of like I don't know which one is which, but one of them I think is like actually into the guy at the end but the other one is like into her Mm. so yeah yeah anyways but yeah i don't really know what their plan was because i feel like i feel like if they were planning on a threesome that would have been (laughs) quite a time to lose one's virginity to right and also i feel like that they would like consider that not losing sex yeah like i don't that gives me the vibes of like Oh, no, that doesn't count. It doesn't, it doesn't count because there was three of us. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Um, Not that that doesn't. We've discussed this at of length. Of course. But I just kind of <laughs> imagine clearly that. clearly counts. Right. I was just kind of thinking, like, oh, they're probably just going to take turns <laughs> and just be like, whew, okay, we're okay, good. your turn. Um, so then we have, like, shot after shot. We see that, like, it's a full moon boom and the two girls their car is pulling off the road and then like it's daylight and there are cop cars and then boom is dead Mm -hmm. he hung himself we think and then like it pans up and maybe he was hung by the two blonde virgins Mm -hmm. and then the sequence of the two of them um picking flowers on like a little picnic blanket playing he loves me he loves me not like I'm into it. I know. It was like very pseudo virgin suicide. Yes. Like absolutely. Not to like give Chris Carter any credit, but no. the I mean the vibes I wrote that emphasis like, just, on pseudo. Yes. Like the vibes of all of these early, like season three, I really think the X Files starts to like reach its peak and like it really has like a clear aesthetic and it's it's spooky in like a very niche sort of way without being scary without being like too like this is a nice middle ground Mm -hmm. like i like this one in war of coprophages yeah i think like season four for aesthetics is like people's sweet spot but i like one and three i yeah me too we are good not to like discriminate against pregnant Jillian, but I mean two <laughs> two was a yeah. <laughs> two was like Don't discriminate it, against pregnant t- Jillian, discriminate against Scully's bangs. Okay, fair. Like two was because you're running a race and you come out way too strong. Like you're you're all amped up, you start running way too fast. Yes. Right? So then by season two like by the middle of the race you're kind of like oh shit okay i gotta like you're like there's no way i can finish this mm-hmm. out right so you kind of take a step back it's a little messy you like throw up a little bit you like trip <laughs> up a couple of Just times yeah um and then barf. Then, <laughs> then by season three by like the end of the race you're like really going strong if only this show ended I know. Like a normal race. 
Well, I was reading that Chris Carter originally wanted the show to end after five seasons. And I think it should have. I think my favorite video of Jillian is when that reporter um, is like, I can't even remember what, maybe, I think the reporter was just like, are you going to come back for season seven? I think it was at that point. And she was like, oh no, she was like, is there going to, is there going to be more X-Files? And she Mm -hmm. was like, no. (laughs) And he goes, why do you say that so confidently? She's like, I mean, I can't say for sure, but, but no, I'm done. Because I'm not not doing like, What do you mean? What do you mean? Like, there's not. And she's like, well, I can't say for sure, but I'm not doing another one. And and it's fully in the middle of the show. Like, she did more seasons after that. It's so funny. Oh, my God. Yeah. So Mulder and Scully are in the car. Um, They're arguing over directions. And they're arguing over the difference between a stop sign and a stop light. And this is going to surprise you, but I'm 100% on Scully's side because... (laughs) Why is that surprising? Wink, wink. Um, Because Mulder being like, oh, the woman who gave me directions, like, uh, told me a stoplight, but I'm sure she meant a stop sign. First of all, if she meant a stop sign, she would have said a stop sign. And two, if she said a stoplight and meant a stop sign, then, like, why are you taking directions from this woman? Literally. Like, that makes me so angry. I'm such a slut for seeing these little mundane things. Like, I don't give I two shits about the government conspiracy and the whole thing with, like, aliens, whatever. I don't care. Those I are just, just there for vibes. Yeah. That's just for, like, <laughs> that's just for fun. This is the stuff that matters. I would watch an hour-long episode of them literally just in the car to hear, like, what they talk about or, like, what yeah. they listen to on the radio or, like, where they pull over to stretch their legs. I don't know. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Um, well, I think it's so funny because so much, I would say literally short of consummation, but so much of what fans wanted to see, like, interpersonally <laughs> between them could have been an, could have been episodes. Yeah. And, like, actually fit the mold yeah. of the episodes. Well, it's very natural for when you write good characters that audiences want to see those characters interact. And, like, right. what no, that dynamic I'm saying, is. like, you wanting to see them just in the car could have been an episode. It and it would have fulfilled people wanting to see them more on a personal level. And it would have been an X-File. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, like... Because, like, All Things wasn't technically, like, an X-File, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there were, ep- there were episodes where, like, nothing, like, mysterious or spooky happened. Right? Mm-hmm. So, there you go. I'll call Chris Carter tomorrow. All right. <laughs> Um, Chris, so, my man. Uh, I saw a really funny thing that was like, if um, you can't cr- trust a guy named Chris because if Chris crossed applesauce, what else is he gonna do? That's so funny. Oh my god, that's funny. Isn't that funny? Yeah, that's funny as hell. Wow, I've never known a Chris. Good for you. Except for Christ. <laughs> Except for the man upstairs. Except for JC himself. Kidding! I got a. What am I saying? I failed my religion class. <laughs> I, was like, I don't his name know is anything Chris. about him. Chris Kringle. Uh oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I saw something on Tumblr that was like. I saw something on Tumblr around Christmas time that was someone said, "Wait, so Mrs. Claus is gonna be at home alone on Christmas Eve?" <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it wasn't that. No, 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 no. It was. You know, it was, it was even funnier. It was someone said. Wait, so Santa Claus's wife is going to be home alone on Christmas Eve? <laughs> That's funny. Funny. 
Okay, so anyways, back on track. We're at Boom's funeral now. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. You're <laughs> just at Bruno's funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the whole thing is like this detective white comes up, which, and she says that high school kids are dying. She thinks it's satanic rituals on the premise of like genuinely zero evidence. When Scully presses her on it, she's like, actually, no, I just, you know, we don't have any, I have no reason to believe that. I'm just guessing. Accurate of law enforcement. So Mulder tries to be funny, but I actually believe that, like, this is the best case, and I know, like, everyone's out of whack, whatever, but I believe that this is the best case for, like, Mulder as a people pleaser, because even though he's, like, really out of whack this episode, he kind of does this in every case, Where he, like, Scully just comes to do the work, right? Mm -hmm. She's, like, very professional. And Mulder's like, I need everyone to like me before I can solve this case. Yes. In fact, he puts people liking him, like, above solving the case. Oh, totally. He, it's, because his self-worth is shit, because everyone um devalues him and he's like oh you're just spooky molder you're not actually good at anything so whenever he goes out of the bureau he's like i need everybody to know that i'm so good at my job and i think like ultimately would it come down to just his like crippling mommy and daddy issues yes Yes. right because he wanted the same thing with with deep throat and who's the other guy (laughs) x mr x whatever um and then he often obviously acts this way around women so like and ultimately, doesn't he just want Scully to like him? Yes. As well. So. Well, it's funny because, like, Mulder's, like, mommy and daddy issues are coming up. And then Scully's biggest fear, a tall blonde, is there. So. It, <laughs> the Asians are down bad right off the start. And it's also funny because, like, on a more serious note, like, w- the way that Mulder is acting is just a way that men discredit women. Yeah. Who work in the same field as them and, like. It's a method that they use to undermine the women as, like, being too serious or, like, taking their job too seriously, mm-hmm. which is annoying. Yeah. Um, basically, the agents are, like, all talking. There's very little plot happening here. Um, but the um, two girls are, like, brought into the conversation because they're at the funeral. And Detective White is like, oh, my God, no, like, they couldn't do it. They're, like, good kids. Like, they're great students. And I hate that, um, like, good citizenry medal as, like, a trademark for trustworthy Mm -hmm. because it just is, like, so – it's so prevalent in the justice system where it's, like, people who commit heinous crimes will be – well like their point of defense will be that like they were a good citizen or they were like good in some way right Right. which disproportionately impacts people of color who are arrested which at at higher rates because they're policed at a higher rate and so it's like obviously if you have a criminal record like your level of credibility goes down Mm -hmm. right it's like in so many cases good is just code for white exactly they couldn't have done this they were good that's what i mean yeah yeah which is like a direct line to justice obviously so then scully recites the girls like 
testimony that they gave to Detective White, like, exactly, obviously without having heard it because it was so cliche. Then all of a sudden, some man, like, storms into the funeral and is so upset and he's going on about Satan's soldiers. And I, like, want to change some name that I have on some social media platform to Satan Soldier. Because that's I think a good that's one. fucking baller. That is good. Someone's going to take that. Well, this episode is going to come out after I already change one. <laughs> so it'll be too late. As he's going on, the coffin just goes up in flames. He's throwing a razor in his coffin. <laughs> Got too crazy. <laughs> So yeah, after that, thirteen candles lit. Yeah, the yeah. Did anyone ever think that like there were just way too many candles lit, lit around the coffin? Like maybe, <laughs> and especially that with like embalming fluid that he's. Which in. is what Scully said. Oh yeah. Exactly. So oh, damn it! I knew I got that from somewhere. I thought I was being <laughs> smart for a second. So the girls are interviewed separately then, but like their testimonies are identical because they've rehearsed. Mm-hmm too much like way too much a note to the girlies if you're gonna commit a crime you gotta like have differing accounts but also i kind of like how like how exactly the same they were oh it's really funny especially when they're going back and forth and they're literally on the same word yeah and they're like weeping yeah they're like playing oh my god playing these people like those actresses were great the one with the short curly hair reminded me of meg ryan a little bit at times yeah um and if i was the actress that like the one with the taller one if i was her because she did all of her scenes with david i would have been so upset i would have been so mad okay so when scully goes to examine boom's body um Mulder's belittling scully's credibility again and she's starting to get very angry let's talk about jealous scully because what bothers me about the discourse around this episode is that the premise is that everyone is out of whack right like Mm -hmm. scully's acting like she never would Mulder's acting like he never would although that's up for debate yeah um and so it bothers me when people diminish this characterization of the way that Scully's acting as jealous Scully because that makes it seem like this is how she normally acts. Yeah. And I think that it's frustrating in this scene specifically because Jillian plays it really well. Like her timing is very on point mm-hmm. where she's just clearly beca- becoming so impatient by Detective White and like her face and like how she's like hovering over Mulder and how Mulder's like not turning it down, mm-hmm. right? And establishing a clear professional boundary. So Scully wouldn't what bothers me about this and the fact that it's like it fits into this like characterization of jealous Scully is that Scully would never let her impatience for a woman in her field who technically is her equal which she often has had impatience for other women. Yes. That is not out of character. No. Her pick-me behavior isn't out of character. No, but but she wouldn't let that affect her job or her clear-mindedness to see basic facts about a case. Yes. Like, she fully is, like, uh, Detective White is, like, trying to show her something, and she's like, no, I don't see it. It's not there. No, I don't see those horns right there. That's what I mean. (laughs) So it's, like, it's so funny because the... uh, That's how you should know it's something. The goat is right there, right? Like, everyone sees it. It's not even, like, remotely... (laughs) a question Mm -hmm. right so it's like at this point scully's like out of whack thing is just her obstructing justice (sighs) yes 
to discredit a woman. Mm-hmm. And so I just think it's funny because they the the writers really said like, okay, like let's do an episode where Mulder and Scully are like completely out of whack, like. How they act is going to be so out of character. It's like, we're going to have Mulder be, like, the biggest asshole ever. And he's going to be treating Scully like shit. And, like, she can't do anything right. And we're just going to make Scully break the law. <laughs> like, that'll be her out of character Literally. moment. And I think the fact that Mulder's characterization is so in line with things that he does sometimes do, it, like, makes it not obvious enough. Because I remember... Oh, when, my God. Totally. Like, yeah. I remember when... And it's a great device. Like, the concept of this is really good. But, like, I watched it with my mom when I was when we were watching the show, like, from the beginning. And she, like, didn't get what was... Like, you don't get what's happening. Yes. Like, you never pick up on it. Even when they say it, you're like, oh, so that's why they're acting that way? Like, it's not big enough. Correct. Yeah. Mulder and Detective White go to a numerology expert with a picture of the burn mark. This woman is written perfectly. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. coming from a granddaughter of an astrologer, this is exactly how they are. Yeah. They will not tell you fucking anything until you open your purse, even if you are related. It yeah. does not matter. <laughs> so she says that we're heading that. Hello. She says that they're heading into a rare planetary alignment. But then, yeah, she won't give away any more of the goods for free. And good for her. So another kid dies. And as far as we know, the only consistency has been the two girls have been at every crime scene. Mm -hmm. It's like what we're gathering. So on the other side of town, a mob is gathering in a field. All the detectives go. People are digging up some faux (laughs) mass grave. This man, again, Satan's soldiers says that there's something happening with naked movie star games it's so he's uh he's blown his top i don't know what's up with this guy (laughs) they're like he's the principal which is like yeah i know the most shocking thing that they say in this episode and and like that would have worked because it's really funny that like this what they say is normally really rational man is acting like this if they would have just shown him in the beginning just one short scene of him being rational and normal and then showing the contrast like it's just not clear enough well and then the other thing is is that like the whole thing is like this could just be mass hysteria Mm -hmm. right so is it mass hysteria or is it the planetary shift right right like it, it doesn't really yeah it's like too many things going on and also it's annoying because scully says in the scene where the other when the second kid dies um, she like tells Mulder that she's like she didn't think he would ditch her and like that's supposed to be out of character but that's actually a real issue with them yeah like and it really bothers me that this is the one time she says it and it's supposed to be like oh just the planets made her act up and get upset about that when that's a really valid thing because he needs to have his part his partner's back like she says like we have different differing opinions but like I never thought you'd ditch me yeah, Scully's rare moment of good communication and like being able to express her feelings was was the planet out of character yeah. <laughs> like, what? i was like keep that one so yeah so at the the field where all these people right. are digging holes um <laughs> someone finds like a, a bag that has bones in it mm-hmm. and Mulder and scully crouch down and they like both really awkwardly pull out latex gloves at the same time <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything to say about that scene because that's it I think it speaks for itself. Okay. Every time she says, uh, sure, fine, whatever, I'm like, hey, there it is. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, again, again, again. <laughs> Poetry. Um, 
<laughs> I just think it's funny that he's like, I know how much you like snapping on the latex. That's all. Safe, I just, safety I just think first. it's fun. Safety first. Mm-hmm. She's a woman of science. Um, so the next scenes are kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> oh, God. So the bag that was found was a doctor, a pediatrician's. And so the mob goes to his house and he's in drag. It's so unnecessary. And then, like, that's it. Um, and then he's being questioned and he says that he sold the bag and then it ends up being one of the girls and it's her dog's bones. Mr. Tippy. Yeah, she, the, the girl comes in and then Mulder says that someone is wearing his favorite perfume <laughs> at, at the sudden presence of a minor. I yeah. was like, uh, it, okay. It's so inappropriate. It's really funnily, funnily. It's delivered really funny. Like yeah. their comedic timing, David and Jillian together is really good. Like the way she's like, can I, I don't even remember what she says, but she has to speak with him. Yeah. But just imagine how funny it would be if like these were switched and it was a room of like male detectives and Scully was like, somebody's wearing my favorite cologne. Oh my God. Like 100%. Or even if it was just her and other women and she was like, who's wearing my favorite perfume? Everyone would be like, um, that would have been so confusing, but because it's moldy, you're like, Bleh. literally, I don't even like no one even looks <laughs> up. Scully barely doesn't even flinch. Yeah. Scully's She's just mad. Just She's like, not surprised. Jillian's timing when she has to speak with him outside is perfect. Perfect. Um, it's so funny, too, because like imagine I just thought I just thought that this would be funny just now in my head just came up um imagine how funny that has big like them going to their child's um parent teacher conference energy and him saying something like wholly inappropriate and her just being like can i talk to you outside for a second why do i think that that's so hot because jillian delivers it perfectly like she literally doesn't break eye contact with him and he's just being such an idiot it's and it's just yeah it's uh there's something there that's a good one that's Um, a good one they're definitely like the parents whose like kid had to like apologize for them yes oh my god yeah for a myriad of things so many things yeah myriad it's a big word thank you um okay so they're in the hallway (laughs) scully's like really doing a number on him and she wants to go home. She's saying she's going to go home in the morning. She's yelling at him because he's legitimately being a child and, like, needs to be scolded like one. He starts sniffing her. And then, yeah, and then he gets all in her personal space and starts smelling her. <laughs> Both of their deliveries in this scene are so good. This is, like, yeah. I think that this is one of maybe the best scenes in the episode that, like, shows this them acting out of character yes maybe the best and then Mulder is such an idiot and is like hmm I wasn't paying attention to anything you were saying but like you're definitely not wearing my favorite perfume it's definitely Detective White she's like the woman was too stunned to speak literally (laughs) and so then Scully's so then Scully's basically like listen if that's why you're staying here like you can 
do the thing, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm leaving. Good for her. And then it struck me here. I was like talking about their child five seconds ago. The worst thing that they could have done was have a child because Mulder's um, flirting advice was definitely like, if a boy's mean to you, that means he likes you. Yes. And he was like, oh, if you like a girl, like be mean to her and make her like flirt with other women in front of her. Oh boy, does he like Scully? That's all I'm getting. Mm -hmm. If that's his, yep. If that's his motto. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next scene is that we're at a birthday party for the girlies. Them dancing, the way that they're going with everybody else just sitting staring at them. That is us in our like dance bar of choice during the sixth minute of Edge of Seventeen. One hundred. When everyone's tapped out. One hundred percent. Like made me laugh. There's nothing worse. Like obviously these girls are killing people. But there's nothing worse than walking into a room and there's music playing and two people are dancing and everyone else is just standing there it's like why are you all not shaking some ass exactly what is wrong with all of you exactly Um, and also i think that the girls the way that they look at specifically this seemed to be such a good halloween costume totally like for two blonde besties or girlfriends whatever so yeah we're at a birthday party for these girls it's at I think it's at Brenda's house. (laughs) They take out a Ouija board and um, I didn't think that that was how it worked. That you close your eyes? No, no, no. That you like asked it questions like, who Mm -hmm. am I going to marry? Well, you can do it like you're you're supposed to try to. That was more like for like a magic eight ball situation. (laughs) Well, you're supposed to try to like talk to it. Right. That's what I thought. You like ask. You're like, did I make contact with somebody? Right. Ask them questions. Like they don't know who you're gonna marry. Exactly. If you want to know how to use a Ouija board, watch the Seance episode of I Love Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) Tell you everything you need to know. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so yeah, they're playing with a Ouija board in like a very precarious way, and. We find out that Brenda's marrying Satan, which, again, (laughs) another shot that I love from this movie or from this episode. Like, oh, it's so good. Her being like, Satan? And all of her friends being like, Brenda, OMG, no, Satan's ugly. Like, Satan, ew. Meanwhile, the girlies are in the bathroom trying to make Bloody Mary appear. And then... (sighs) This was the first moment where I was like, I find it slightly disconcerting that... Um, they dressed a girl who's underage in just a bra with like a little thing over oh, it. Yeah, and then like later on, there's a shot of the other girl like, um, crawling out of the back of a pickup truck, and it's like just a straight shot of her ass and like mm-hmm. in a very like sensual way. Yeah. And I know that this is a critique that people watch Euphoria have, which is just like, why do you want to see yeah. these underage children Being in a sexual that way? Sexual. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we get that she's into him yeah. without that really weird, like, early 2000s music video shot. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so back at the motel, this is where everyone... This is apparently supposed to highlight that everyone is, is off their fucking rocker. Something's happening. So Mulder's drinking. What is he drinking? He's drinking, like, gin or vodka or something. It's like vodka, with but... With, like, some melted, like, orange ice cream in it. 
Is that what that is? I think. I, I, I think that that was like melted ice cream. It also could have been like a pulp. But so, it looked like something that had melted. I don't really know. I, I was so interested by what that was that he was drinking. I like to think that it was like sherbet or something. And like, you know, like when sherbet or like when ice cream melts mm-hmm. and you think you're just going to go straight through and it's all going to be melted. But then there's like that one clump that's still hard sort mm-hmm. of in the middle. I think that that's what you ever experienced. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so Mulder's drinking then detective white like comes in and it's just like so horny yeah <laughs> she's like well no well, don't remember her being like that well, aggressive she, well first of all she comes in and her cat's dead so she's crying oh, yeah she starts out sad and then all of a sudden she needs to strip like she needs all of her clothes off right this second women women um scully smoking a cigarette she's talking to herself <laughs> so funny <laughs> Mulder's like flipping through the channels and every single movie, every hello, I'm about to make my niece joke. That's why I got excited. <laughs> the same movie is on every channel, mm-hmm. right? And I said, You ready for this one? Yeah. That's what the sixties must have been like, but for everyone in America and the repeat movie was Lucio Ball's face. Yes. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Just every channel. There she is. I love Lucy rerun. Here's Lucy. The Lucy show. <laughs> could not escape Mm -hmm. which is how it should have been anyways niche niche little joke yeah that was just for you i love it thank you um so then there's another death um that scully (laughs) poor timing poor timing uh breaks to Mulder and detective white who are on inside of each other Why is Mulder's fuck me face so pouty? He's such a bottom. It's like when he's about to kiss somebody, he goes, because you want to know something weird was that he was like nuzzling her. Was he not like when they were hugging? Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's like, she's coming on to him and he's like, um, maybe we can watch something on TV. Because here's the thing that the show. Right. Or or did he not do that? No, you're just supposed to think that. Like, no, it's like the the thing that this show always does is that like no matter what's happening to them, Mulder's gonna be the one to figure it out and what's happening. So this is him being like, "Wait, this is out of character even for me. Like, oh, what's yeah. happening?" And then he gets it, as if Scully, the most like self aware, like logical person, wouldn't be like, "Oh my god, mm. why am I not?" I wouldn't say self aware. I'd say aware of her surroundings. Okay. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, no. So, like, that's, yeah, that's fucking him point. figuring it out, which is so annoying. So, yeah. There's another death. Uh, high tensions. Scully. <laughs> I can feel her stomach drop when she walks into the room. I know. Also, like, she definitely saw up Detective White's skirt. Like, oh, there's yeah. no way that she just didn't. So that was, like, trauma on trauma that was like <laughs> there were layers to what she just walked in on she never had to unpack it in therapy um so yeah scully storms out and Mulder wants to drive scully's like no i can drive and then she's like just because you're a man fuck you women can drive too haven't you heard we got the vote in 1920 <laughs> And we have our little... Is it little legs or little feet? Little feet. That's what I thought, but, it doesn't but I make sense. always thought it was little legs. Little legs would make more sense. Right? But it's little feet. Did David fuck that up, or was that the written line? Who knows? 
Hmm. Anyways, her little legs can touch the pedals. Confirmed. <laughs> and so she drives. I think it's little feet. I thought, no, no, I definitely think it is too because I Mandela effect blocked it out and like just said, nope, I don't like it's, it's I legs. don't claim that it's yeah. little legs. Um, and then at this point, I was like, I wonder if this happens between Mulder and Scully, like on every full moon, then like going forward, <laughs> like how funny would that be? It'd be really funny. Like it wasn't just this town, it wasn't just these two girls, mm-hmm. like it was just like silly little things, like they're very out of character every full moon. And then I wanted to know, like, when does Scully ultimately like resign? And just be like, okay, it's the planets. Like, when does Scully become when does that she girl? Realize? Yeah, and like start like writing what she wants to like release and burning it in the sink, Aww. like without Mulder knowing, but he knows. It'd be really remnant. Of, I'm sure that made, would make her feel close to Melissa. Oh my god, totally. Aww. But like, at what point does she? I don't think it would take that long because of Melissa. Really? Yeah. I feel like she is so stubborn. She would be like. <laughs> I'm just having, I'm just out of sorts today. That's just it. But then maybe she'd like go off silently and do it. And do it. Yeah. She definitely would do it in secret. Like okay. she wouldn't like be openly writing out her intentions and burning them in front of Mulder. But <laughs> waving, he'd wake up. Waving incense he, everywhere. He'd fall asleep at her apartment one night and wake up in the middle of the night to the smell of smoke and walk into her kitchen and she's like burning shit. Oh, I was literally thinking like when they're like in their 40s. Oh, that's I was like way down the line. Oh, that's even better. Okay. So we're back to the numerology lady and she confirms that the planets are in a cosmic G spot. That would be a great band name. <laughs> Walter like didn't even <laughs> flinch when she said that. He's like, right. Um, Wouldn't that be a good band name? Yeah, that would be a very good band name. And it's affecting everyone. And if it's your birthday, like it is these two best friends, it's like really bad. Mm hmm. Again, the part in the garage with a yeah. weird shot of a underage girl. The guy that they're with dies by accident because the girlies disrupt something and yeah. he gets, like, punctured. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're just so angry that things start kind of, like, going to chaos around them. Yeah. Around them, yeah. So, in the meantime, Scully and Detective White are driving on their way to Brenda's and birds start fucking plummeting from the sky Mm -hmm. uh one of the girls calls Mulder and tells her she knows who the murderer is the other like runs to scully how she got there in the middle of nowhere on the road yeah and says the same thing at this point we're sensing a divide in the house Mm -hmm. and you know how that ends (laughs) so here are their names Margie says Terry did it. Terry says Margie did it. Whatever. And it was at this point where they're like really freaking out where I realize it's wild how far we've come because like people these days, girlies these days, (laughs) are looking to blame the planets like every chance they get. Yeah. And these girls are like completely over their head. Right. Like, I feel like if this happened, this was actually a cautionary tale, because if something like this (laughs) happened today, 
immediately someone would be like is mercury is mercury in retrograde me every time i experience a bad mood i'm like oh my god what's happening in the planets right now oh my god what are the plants doing to me (laughs) scully because we're apparently with her again she uh gives another sure fine whatever in the car Mm -hmm. oh yeah in the car yeah well, but they're literally like, well, actually, I'm way ahead of you. Well, actually, I'm way ahead of you. And That's it's a dick part. measuring contest and Scully's is bigger. <sighs> they take these two. They Mulder takes the one girl to the sheriff's office. Scully takes the other girl. When they both get there and they're in the same room together, everyone's guns start going off. And Mulder locks them in a closet together. And the clock strikes midnight and everyone's back to normal sort of but most importantly the girlies are back they're holding hands and they're crying like regular girlies honest to god teenage girls <laughs> and teenage girls i still do that oh yeah well there's our teenage self never dies she's always in us <laughs> scully and Mulder are leaving town she runs a stop sign but we've all seen the way she parks so Rest assured, <laughs> the universe is truly back at peace mm-hmm. again. The end. And that's the episode. I never realized Mulder said, sure, fine, whatever, at the end. I refuse to acknowledge it because that's not his line. <laughs> but yeah, that's the episode. That is Syzygy. Syzygy. That's a good one. <sighs> Can I be honest? Yeah. I give it a rating of like, Six out of ten. I agree. I think that it's one of those episodes that's, like, talked about often because it kind of has, like, if you've never seen any other episode, like, it's a good one to put on. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm always disappointed at the end. I'm like, is that it? Well, it's fun because the show gives you so little that you're, like, excited because you get to see Mulder and Scully acting in a way that you don't normally. So it's like, oh, they're doing something different. So it's, like, intriguing and exciting. But, like, overall as an episode, I don't think it's necessarily a standout. What's funny is that I was reading that Darren Morgan wrote War of the Cockroaches Mm -hmm. and Chris Carter wrote this one. Um, and War of the Cockroaches was Darren Morgan, like... Copperfages? Whatever. The cock- War of the Cockroaches. Um, was Darren Morgan, like, making fun of Chris Carter's writing just a little bit? Like, he was kind of, like... He was, like, poking fun at the original format, which is why it, like, kind of has that, like, air of irony and, like, like humor about it, like, within the episode, if that makes sense. And so then this is, like, Chris Carter trying to imitate Darren Morgan, trying to imitate him. Oh my god. Isn't that bizarre? Okay, that's like... A, Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but they're like fighting an imaginary war. Like, yeah, what right? is the purpose? I know. And I just find it so interesting that like every other writer is better than the creator of the show. And I don't think that's necessarily a fault to Chris Carter as, like, as a person. I think it's just like sometimes when you come up with the idea like and it's very personal to you, you have to give the reins to others because it's like his episodes are rarely the the best ones. Well, and also like being a creator and being a screenwriter are two very, very different. different skills. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Yeah, you and can I, head and yeah. create a show and that takes it to a very different skill set than writing weekly episodes. Absolutely. And structuring a season. 
Absolutely. And I also think, I mean, this is an issue that plagued like the whole series, which is just that I think that Chris Carter was not attached to the X-Files as a franchise meant to like exist in a vacuum. And instead, he wanted the X-Files to be a franchise that like literally had the potential to go on forever, like Mm -hmm. meaning out the window yeah like coherency out the window um relevancy out the window like everything just didn't matter and because of that like need for control um it like that tapered into the more like micro aspects of the show which was that the need to control like plot the need to control every character the need Mm -hmm. to control scripts the need to control like every single part yeah where as opposed to being the creator and like residing over this empire that you've created and like okaying or not like certain scripts certain addition like whatever it is which is more powerful and also like more fucking admirable Right. Because that that's a true creator. It's like a creator who does that has like you can, you know, has a very clear vision and is courageous enough to put the trust in writers and producers and cinematographers and actors that he or she entrusts with their with his vision. Mm -hmm. And it's like in, in order for your story to maintain its integrity, it has to have an end. Like that's not a feasible you destroy your own creation in that way yeah and like obviously this is talking about boundaries yeah this is just (laughs) us having a conversation like i don't fucking know anything about creating a show or screenwriting but it's just like that's just you know you could switch this just to a life lesson just having boundaries with yourself yeah or otherwise it becomes self-harm exactly chris carter go listen to the beginning of this episode and also like maybe you know take up some courses and like you know anti-capitalism yeah ideology because holy shit diversity training yeah i mean many things (laughs) let's send chris carter back to college not that that would help but it would help a little bit (laughs) if we controlled the teachers in the curriculum well just like send chris carter back to college and like make him take like a litany of diverse courses so like women and gender studies (laughs) like sociology um anti-racism like all just every possible course diversity like yes Mm -hmm. everything (laughs) i agree and then just throw in math and then just make them do calculus just for fun yeah just as a little bit of punishment just as a treat (laughs) and that's our episode thank you so much for listening thank you we're happy to be back i know um we fucking killed that with the time yeah we really did and if you're still here uh after listening to our first comeback episode yay thank you thank you so much like truly and uh yeah keep sending in your questions yeah follow us on all our social medias at the sex files pod on twitter instagram and tumblr and also like i think that we get a lot of questions which i know we've said before but just to reiterate because like um because since we've changed the format the types of questions that like we are into i think i've changed a little bit Mm -hmm. 
never ever ever be like oh i don't really know if this is a topic i don't know if this is just like too niche like blah 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 mm-hmm. literally you could just send us like a one word yeah topic and we could talk about it forever yeah um so like no question too niche or too broad no not at all well too broad but we'll dive into it yeah one episode at a time mm-hmm. but yeah exactly but we get like almost every question i think that gets sent in has a preface that is like yeah. i don't know if this makes sense or or i don't have a fully formed thought on this neither do we and we talk about it so <laughs> no shame in not having fully formed thoughts here exactly ever we love you thank you for listening and we'll see you next time on the sex files the sex files bye bye